Welcome to the podcast arm of the Redeemed Christian Church of God, Peculiar People's Parish, based in Regina, Canada. Our mandate is pursuing His purpose, pronouncing His power, and proclaiming His praise. You can subscribe to our podcast channel today, so you never miss an episode of our podcasts. Be blessed by this teaching. To our study, uh, and first of all, with gratitude to our Bible study team and a pastor for the privilege to be uh, speaking on this very crucial topic. We're talking about the carnal man versus the spiritual man. The carnal man versus the spiritual man. Now, I just want by show of hands, if you've heard of, you know, spoken about, discussed, you know, what a carnal man is, what a spiritual man is, if this is, this is not the first time, apart from the flyers and the posters that we were seeing that were sent out, this is not the first time that you're hearing the word carnal man or spiritual man. You've heard about this before, have some level of understanding of it. Let me see your hands up for those in church. Okay. Praise the Lord. So it looks like there is a general sense of um, understanding that we have. So we thank God for that. Now, I want to press in today. I think that everybody, is there anyone that does not have access to the manuals? Anyone that doesn't have access to the manuals? Okay, so we have the, and maybe we can put the link up if somebody wants to get the outline for us to be able to read along. So today we are looking at the carnal man versus the spiritual man, and we want to just dig deep into this a little bit more to get some context, especially as how it applies to us. So the first thing that I would like us to be thinking about is how does this apply to me? being carnal or being spiritual how does it apply to me the texts that we'll be looking at today and we will read them very quickly um there's two first corinthians chapter chapter three verses one to four um if somebody is there you can read it for us first corinthians chapter three verses one to four and then romans chapter eight verses one to seventeen Romans chapter 8, verses 1 to 17. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 to 4, and Romans chapter 8, verses 1 to 17. If anyone is there, we'll start with 1 Corinthians 3. Okay, it's on the screen, so we'll just read it. I'll just read it from here. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual... I could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and now you are still not able. For you are still carnal, for where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, Are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Praise the Lord. 
we'll just read Romans chapter 8 verses 1 to 17 very quickly. Actually, before we go there, let's start with this Romans, uh, sorry, this 1 Corinthians 3, 1 to 4. So something that was interesting for me and that I think should set the context for the conversation we'll be having this evening as in how it applies to us to be, whether we're carnal or spiritual, is when you look at the book of 1 Corinthians that we just read, in chapter 1, Paul was telling us who he was writing this letter to. In verse 2, he said, to the church of God, if you can open that for us, Romans, uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. If that can be on the screen, um, we can look at that very quickly. Oh, still Romans 1. I'd like us to look at it together. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. Yes, perfect. It says, to the church, now, this is Paul at telling us who he's writing this letter to, so the whole book of Corinthians. And he says, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all who are, with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Praise the Lord. Just, just that verse two is good. Thank you. And you can keep it up there. So, from this verse, I want somebody to tell me, who is Paul writing to? Okay, I heard somebody say Corinthians. <laughs> yes, it's, it's the Corinthians. And who are they? Give me, you know, how would you categorize the Corinthians? They are Christians, yes. Sorry, what else? They are sanctified. These are sanctified Christians. They're, just not, they're not just ordinary Christians. You know, not just somebody that just said, these ones are sanctified. Praise the Lord. Which is deeper, isn't it? You know, <laughs> to be sanctified is not a small thing. If we want to do a series on sanctification, it will take a long time. So these are sanctified Christians. What else? They are saints. You know, they've attained status of being called saints. That is... That's something, you know, they don't just call anybody saint. In the Catholic Church, before you reach sainthood, Saints Peter, you know, Saint Paul, these ones too, they are calling them saints. Praise the Lord. What else do we see about these, this Corinthian church? Sorry? They call on the name of Jesus Christ. Now, do you get any more a believer than this description? Praise the Lord. Are you with me? Do you get any more a believer than this description? Now, how many of us in this room today will, agree, will say, can confidently say, I fit this description. I am of the church of God. I am sanctified in Christ Jesus. I'm called to be a saint with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ. Um, I am amongst these how many of us you can lift up your hands to indicate if you are such a saint? There's no saint in this. There's, there's no believer in this church. There's no Christian. Christian, my, in my wife's language, they say Christiani. Is it Christian? <laughs> Christian, eh? 
Christian, Christian. So in my wife's language, are there any Christianies in this? Maybe, maybe there are many people in my wife's language that don't understand what I'm saying. Are there many Christian? Is there any? If you are a Christian, a Christian, for those that don't understand that, you know, uh, tongues, please raise up your hand. You are a believer. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You know, you call on the name of the Lord. I think some people were not raising up their hands because they were not confident that they are a saint. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Or maybe you are not confident that you are sanctified. So you don't even feel like you qualify to be what Paul was calling these people. You are qualified in Jesus' name. You are the righteousness of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, I said that to say this. These are the same people that in 1 Corinthians, huh, okay, my iPad wanted to turn off and not come on, but the devil is a liar. <laughs> These are the same people that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 to 4, Paul said, I could not speak to you as spiritual people but as carnal people, as babes in Christ. For you are, in verse 3, says, for you are still carnal. So it puts an interesting context. It puts an interesting perspective that being carnal is not just about being an unbeliever, which is the obvious description that we might give to who the carnal. How many of us sincerely, sincerely, and I want to see your hands up, when we saw the topic for today's conversation, the carnal man versus the Christian man, you saw the carnal man as the unbelievers and the Christian, uh, sorry, the spiritual man as you and I that have believed in Jesus Christ. If you, if you had that impression, let me see your hand. I see one person. Other people didn't. Okay, two. Praise the Lord. Thank you. God bless you. So, this, what Paul is saying here, yes, obviously, people that are not believers are carnal, given to the things of the flesh, but that you can still be a called out Christian, the one that calls upon the name of the Lord, the one that is um, sanctified, like we saw in verse, in chapter one, verse two, you know, called to be a saint with all those that call on the name of Jesus and yet be carnal. Praise the Lord. So it, makes, it brings us then to start to ask the question, so then what does it mean to be carnal versus spiritual? Because if it is not just as easy as saying, I am born again, then what does it mean for me to really be able to say, I am spiritual? Amen? When we read um, Romans chapter 8, verse 6, Let's actually read Romans chapter 8, verses 1 to 17, our other text. We can just get that on the screen. I think we had it queued up a little while ago. We'll just read it. And we'll read it quickly. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 to 17. This starts to give us a little bit of a description of what it might mean to be carnal versus spiritual. But we'll read it together. Excellent. Thank you. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. 
For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned them in the flesh. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal man because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. The Lord bless the reading of his word in Jesus' name. So in that scripture that we just read, something I want to point our attention to that makes it important for us to get this um distinction and this understanding in romans 8 in verse 6 paul tells us that to be carnally minded is death and to be spiritually minded is life and peace that means even though we have become believers if we are still in the definition that has that is being called carnal then we are still walking in a tendency towards death even though life and peace has been provided for us. And so that God has done what is necessary for us to be provided life and peace. But to connect with that life and peace that is given to us, we must be what Paul calls spiritual people. Are you with me so far? For us to connect to the life and peace that God has given to us or that God has released to us, we must be spiritual people. We must be a spiritual, I must be a spiritual man, you must be a spiritual person. And so 
an understanding of what it means to be carnally minded or to be a carnal man versus what it means to be a spiritual man is important to us. Lest we believe that we are spiritual and actually be carnal. Amen? Lest we believe that we are spiritual and actually be carnal. When we go back to our other text in 1 Corinthians 3 verses 1 to 4, in the description that Paul was giving of the Corinthians, he was acknowledging in chapter 1 who they were, who they presented themselves to be all this while. And then he said, when I was with you, you were carnal. You were still babes in Christ. And now you still are. Praise the Lord. You still are carnal, which means that certain things that you should be connecting to, dimensions that you should be coming into, the life and the peace that you should be enjoying, you are being denied it because you've not become spiritual. I can't speak to you as in spiritual people. Where are we? Where am I? Am I carnal or am I spiritual? All through this lesson today, if there's nothing that we're going to hear, let us hear that God is calling us to be spiritual people. Say, God is calling me to be a spiritual man. Amen? God is calling me to be a spiritual man. So, let's press on a little bit. How do we define this? And this is where I want to get contributions. If carnal versus spiritual doesn't simply mean believer versus unbeliever, how do we define it? Who is the carnal man? Who is the spiritual man? Who wants to help us? From what we've seen, from what we've read so far in the text, and for those that were not in that dilemma when they saw the topics. Please help us. See a hand here. A spiritual man is someone who could maybe see the way that God wants us to go and a kind of man can be, can be a person who like sees the way God wants us to go but still be ignorant of it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Wish I could see your face well so that I can know who you are. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I hope you didn't hear that too quickly. <laughs> I hope you didn't hear that too quickly because there's a word there. It said that a spiritual man is somebody that can see the way God wants us to go. And he didn't say this, but follows it. Amen. The carnal man is the one that can see it but chooses not to follow it. Praise the Lord. Very powerful definition. Thank you for that. Anyone else? Canal man. Yes, we have Auntie here. So if you have been led by the Spirit of God, you are spiritual. Mm -hmm. And you have been led by your flesh, that uh, there is no discipline, no control. As the flesh is telling you to do anything, you engage in it. Yeah. That means you are carnal. Praise the Lord. If you are being led by the Spirit of God, you are spiritual. If you are being led by your flesh, you are carnal. Now, how many of us will agree that just 
giving your life to Christ and accepting him as your Lord and Savior doesn't automatically mean that you are now going to start following your, the Spirit. How many of us agree with what I just said? So all of you are not following the Spirit. <laughs> just, just agree so wholeheartedly <laughs> that it is possible. You just agree. It's not that you don't follow it. Okay. It's okay. That it is real. That even as believers, people that have said that we have given our lives to Christ, we are not living as Christ. Amen. We are not living spiritually. He said, they that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. And if the Spirit is leading, that means we have to follow. Right? Excellent. Thank you very much for that definition, man. Who else wants to give us description? The carnal man versus the spiritual man. We we're trying to understand it. Auntie Debbie. It looks like this side of the church is the class that is going to win. The rest of this, this side is just here to be watching you shine. <laughs> Praise the Lord. This is, this is where the glory of the Lord is risen. You are not trying to be proud. It is not humble to be quiet. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Please, Hallelujah. Mark, go ahead. I'll say a carnal man is someone, or a carnal Christian, if you can use that word, someone that lives daily without the consciousness of how their life impacts their Christian journey. Mm -hmm. So they are Christians, but you live daily. You just, you play, you watch, you do everything without considering how this is impacting your spiritual journey. Mm -hmm. A spiritual person views everything with a perspective of what would Jesus do? What mm -hmm. would Jesus feel? So it could be as simple as things happen in the, in the office. And people come to discuss with you and you respond. A spiritual man will weigh. A spiritual man will think, how does this impact my journeys as a Christian in totality? A carnal man will say, you give it to me, I give it to you. A carnal man will just do things as they feel it's right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That, <laughs> you are spiritually clapping <laughs> and contributing to Yes, your clap is important. Praise the Lord. So that a carnal man is somebody that is not caring about the, or is not sensitive, or walking with the consciousness. That's the word Auntie Debbie used. Walking with the consciousness of spiritual implications of the decisions and the choices that they are making. Praise the Lord. And a spiritual man is sensitive to this. Praise the Lord. These are all excellent definitions. I'm going to just highlight some of the things that are written here, which include what we have said, because I want us to be able to move to the next segment of what we are going to do, because we want, I want us to be able to see this in practice, and we're going to be looking at a couple of scenarios and discussing that um, in some groups. So, simple definition that we can give to a carnal man um, versus a spiritual man one is that the carnal man is one that lives according to the dictates of the flesh. Praise the Lord. One that lives according to the dictates of the flesh. While the spiritual man is one that lives according to the dictates of the spirit. So the carnal man is led by how I'm feeling. How it is doing me now. Praise the Lord. How it is coming to me now. And 
yes, so I'm a Christian. Yes, so I'm a believer. But I, 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 I know myself. And I have to be myself. And right now, the self that you're about to get <laughs> is the self that you deserve. <laughs> In the context, praise the Lord. The carnal man is one that makes decisions of, this is what I need right now. This is what works for me. Praise the Lord. That my decisions, the things that I'm making is, is, is led by the needs of my flesh as a priority over the needs of the Spirit of God. The spiritual man is the reverse. It's not that all of a sudden your flesh dies when you've accepted Christ. What you've accepted, what you've received is the power to be able to say no to the flesh. The scripture tells us in um, Romans chapter 8 that if you through the spirit of God do mortify the flesh, that means that there's still an engagement that needs to happen, but it starts with this decision that I now live according to the dictates of the spirit, denying my flesh what it wants to the extent that it is contrary to what the spirit of God wants. Am I making sense? Praise the Lord. So, we saw that in Romans chapter 8, verse 1 and verse 4, it talked about they that live according to the, who walk, so in, in verse 1 it said, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Um, um, in, the, in, the amplified, in the amplified version, okay, no, sorry, in, in another, in verse 4, it says that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So there's no condemnation, verse 1 says, for those who are not, who are walking according to the spirit. And so if we are walking according to that, some of us, even though we've been, we've connected to our liberty that is Jesus Christ, we still walk under the subjection to condemnation because we've not allowed ourselves to be in alignment with being this spiritual with walking to the spirit so i walk according to the flesh so the condemnation that i should have been liberated from is still hovering over me praise the lord does that make sense as to how sometimes we are the ones putting ourselves in trouble because we are not we are not paying attention the bible paul said something he said that um we are not ignorant of the de devices of the devil that we should not be taking advantage of. And what the devil does, we talked about this in part of our lessons, that the devil partners with our flesh. And he partners with our flesh to bring that consciousness to us so that we by ourselves will walk ourselves into his affliction. Walk ourselves into the load of guilt. Walk ourselves into the load of condemnation because we choose to walk according to the flesh. And not according to the spirit. But the Bible says there is now no condemnation for they that are in Christ Jesus who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For they who are spiritual. Say it again. God calls me to be spiritual. And then say, I will be spiritual. In fact, say, I am spiritual. In the name of Jesus. So, 
also, like Auntie Debbie was teaching us, the carnal man lives with a focus on physical implications of choices and decisions, right? My focus is how things play out in the physical realm. My realms of logic and my basis of logic, my basis of analysis, my basis of decision-making is very physically based and centered, but the spiritual man keeps a focus and sensitivity on the spiritual implications of choices and decisions. Remember that I said to us that as we go through this lesson, I want us to be reflecting, where do I stand? Am I carnal or am I spiritual? One of the bases that we can use to gauge that is the last decision that we had to make on something. What was our basis of analysis? Was it just based, this is not to say that we are, we, are, we, are, we are ignorant of how things work in the world, no. But was that the sole basis of our analysis or was that all of that brought in subjection to the direction of the spirit? That if this looks profitable in the flesh, is this something that profits the the call, the agenda, the direction, the leading of the Spirit of God as he is leading me. It starts to get even more interesting when we look at those decisions as to whether or not we are comparing what is spiritual with people that we see to be spiritual or the Spirit of God that is leading us. What do I mean by that? Um, I can see somebody doing something that is working to de for them, and I can see them be spiritual people. And yet, the Spirit of God is saying to me, this is not what you are supposed to do. Doesn't mean that that person is any, um, it doesn't mean that person is not spiritual, doesn't mean that person is not carnal, but to the extent that my work is on the basis of my comparison with him, or her, to the extent that my work is on the basis of what I see as good from him or her, that is not in alignment with what the Spirit of God says that I should do, I am carnal. Because I'm looking for what looks good to me, not what looks good to the Spirit of God that is leading me. Do we understand what I'm saying? Because God expresses himself to us in very individual ways. And what if, the Bible says, if you know what you ought to do, he that knows what to do and doesn't do it, it is sin unto him. That means there are some things that you're supposed to do that is, that you not doing it is sin unto you. But the fact that someone else is not doing it is not sin unto them, they are fine. Praise the Lord. It strikes me with conviction every time how Moses did not make it into the promised land. We're still reading it in the Bible challenge in, in, in the book of Deuteronomy, how you know, God still let him see. This is, so it's not like he died. He's there. You can enter. But God said, you are not entering. When Moses was begging, he said, don't let me hear it in my, don't let me hear it again. You are not, why? Because my dealings with you are different. You did not honor me. The people that he was vexing for still drank their water and some of them still entered the promised land. Is it fair? To the carnal man, it is not fair. And how many times have we rebelled against God because it doesn't look fair? Because we are still processing in carnality. Whereas the Spirit of God said, no, you did not honor me. My relationship with you is different. You are not entering. 
Am I carnal or am I spiritual? We are always sensitive to the spiritual implications of our choices and our decisions when we are spiritual. Some further thoughts. Spiritual maturity or, or being a spiritual man or being a carnal man is a function of spiritual maturity. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 to 3 that we read um, in verse, I think it's in verse 2. Yes, sorry, in verse 1, he said, you are carnal, you are still babes in Christ. He said, I fed you with milk and not with solid food for until now you were not able to receive it. So showing us that our, the extent to which we are spiritual is the extent to which we grow. We had a study in, in Sunday school some a little while back where we looked into um, sp- growth, spiritual growth, and we're talking about this verse, how, what it means to be a babe in Christ. You don't want to take responsibility. You don't you are not open to hearing anything that is harder than is convenient for you. The only thing you want to hear is it is well with you, it is well with you, it is all good, it's all good and you can do whatever you want. You know, those like just you are staying at a level that doesn't allow for solid food and it's a responsibility that we have, right? So, um being spiritual versus being carnal is a function of spiritual maturity. And then this is the, is the added descriptor that I want to give to us because this was one that was particularly impressed on me when I was first assigned to teach this lesson. That to be carnal or spiritual is our choice. Praise the Lord. That to be carnal or spiritual is our choice. It sounds simple when you hear it fast, but how often have we thought that it is the job of God to make us spiritual? When I'm saying it, it's not like you've said it before, but think about it. Is that not what you've believed? Have we not believed that when we thought that by saying, Jesus, I give you my life, then I'm automatically spiritual? By always, you know, by making that confession that it happens, I I just am. Amen? Yes, we are spirit, soul, and body. We're not talking about being a spirit. We're talking about being spiritual. Praise the Lord. Yes, when we are born again, our spirit is reborn. We're not talking about your spirit coming alive. We are talking about walking as the spirit that you are. Being spiritual. Praise the Lord. Whether we are spiritual or we are carnal is our choice. It is given to us to be spiritual. And that's why I really like the um, definition that our dear brother gave us, that we make the choice not to go on the way. And that's what keeps us carnal. We justify those choices by saying, it's just me. By allowing ourselves to be under the subject. And I was reflecting on something one day and God was teaching me that we have been set free from the power, the bondage of sin. We have been set free from the bondage of the flesh. But now there's a different contention. We are no longer slaves to sin in the sense that sin controls us and we have no choice in the matter. 
Amen. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us this. But in this time, what then happens is that sin tempts us to cooperate with it. Because now we have the ability to now subject ourselves to either be slaves to righteousness or to slaves to sin. Praise the Lord. And so, carnality is the devil's playground. Because he allows him to leverage us into now walking as a slave. Remember the prodigal son. He wasn't forced to be eating with pigs. He himself decided to do so. Because he was walking in carnality. But when the spirit came alive and he came to his senses, he says, in my father's house, the way I was supposed to be walking in the first place, they are eating food. And I'm here eating pigs. So the devil enjoys when we are carnal because it allows him to direct us into living like the slaves that he still has in captivity when we are supposed to be living like the king that we've been delivered into. Praise the Lord. Say, I am a spiritual man. So I want us to look at this in practice. And we're going to be having two Bible study groups today. Amen. One, this side is going to be one group and this side is going to be the other group. This side is going to be facilitated by Auntie Miracle and this side is going to be facilitated by Uncle Oyelami. Praise the Lord. It's going to be awesome. Now, we are going to be studying two individuals, two individuals in scripture. A particular incident that happened with these individuals. These individuals are Peter and Esther. Um, this side is going to be looking into Esther, and this side is going to be looking at Peter. Praise the Lord. And what we are going to be doing in this story, there's a section of scripture that I'll be giving you to read. And then from that section of scripture, you give us some story, um, some sense or some description about what it looks like to be carnal or spiritual, as the case may be. In these characters, you'll see traits of carnality versus traits of spirituality. And whatever lessons, our aim of this is to explore some lessons about what it means to be carnal and spiritual and how we can choose to be spiritual and be the spiritual people that God, God has called us to be. So for those that are, for this side that is looking at Peter, you're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 14, verses 26 to 33. Matthew 14, 26 to 33. You can read it and then you discuss, bring out your ideas and we'll hear it back from that lesson, from that story where Peter was walking on water. What can we see about being carnal versus being spiritual? And on this side, you're going to be reading the book of Esther from Esther chapter 4, verse 10 to chapter 5, verse 3. Esther chapter 4, verse 10 to chapter 5, verse 3. And from that story, you're going to be looking at what does it mean to be carnal versus spiritual? What does it mean to be living in that life? What implications? What lessons can you get um, from that account of what happened to Esther there on being carnal versus spiritual? I'm going to give us about 10 minutes or so to do this in our classes. We can start now. God bless you.
for the people online, please feel free to put your thoughts on either of those on the chat, um, either of those accounts on the chat, and I'll be taking it from there as feedback. Thank you. And when the it's, it's okay. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, "It is on, it is a spirit," and they cried out for fear. But straight away, Jesus spake unto them, saying, "Be good of cheer; it is I. Be not, be not afraid." And Peter answered him and said. Lord, if it if it be thou, bid, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down of the ship, of out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boistering, he was afraid, and be, and beginning to sink, sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus, Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they, then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, of a truth, of a truth, thou art the Son of God. I, I also want to say that it's so it's very easy to switch and we have to be very careful because I thought it was spiritual for Peter to say bid me to come that was spiritual but immediately again few minutes later he went to Cano so it's very easy to okay switch, yeah. now if I can buttress that Peter wasn't the only a disciple that was there but he was the only one that could talk I said can I come so but at the same time, so just like what she said now, it's easier for one to switch. So we can see spirituality there too. He had that boldness. 
to ask Jesus, can I come? It's okay? Yes, we are. Thank you, sir. Okay, now what uh, brother is saying now is that when we tune to the canality and we can easily cry out, is that what you are saying, sir? And cry for help. So, but I think we can also see some level of spirituality. That means one can quickly know, oh, I'm missing my way, I'm missing it. So, something spiritual is there too, and that's why you can sense it. Oh. This thing is not in the proper way. Okay, thank you, sir. More contributions, please. Okay, please can. Ah. Thank you, sir. So I would say that the waves was always there. It was there when they were in the boats. I'd like to believe it was there when Jesus was walking on it. Jesus wasn't perturbed by the waves. Peter wasn't perturbed by the waves when he was walking in the spirit. The moment we take our eyes off the spirit, then we're tossed to and fro by the waves of life or by the things that are around us. And that's us being, you know, that's what carnality does is that it allows us to begin to subject ourselves even to the waves of the world, to logic, as Peter did. But as soon as they got into the boat, that same waves, the Bible says, ceased. Okay. So in other words, let me just summarize that if I can. Jesus Christ told him, come, and he obeyed. And because he obeyed, he, kept, he started walking. But the moment he shifted his eyes, something different happened. So let's, okay, sir. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Just to reiterate what Sister Anita said, um, it is what you focused on mm. that will determine whether you're operating as a spiritual man or whether you're operating as a carnal man. When Peter focused on Christ, it was Peter that actually asked Christ, can I come? It mm. wasn't Christ that beaded him. Okay. So it was him. So when his focus was on Christ, he was walking on water. When his focus was on the storm, then he started sinking. So what you focused on would determine whether you are walking spiritually or whether you are walking in the flesh. Okay. Just like our, our main uh, teacher is saying, your choice. Your choice. Bless you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, I've just been reading this book, uh, God's Generals, and it just aligns with this topic um, because most of the generals there, um, if you see what they usually do is there's always something different. There's always something distinct. There's always something that people have never done before. There's always something out of this world that is just tied to them particularly. And the reason is because they are so in line with the spirit. So if you see Peter, he did something that I can't even do it today. Why? Because he was in line with the spirit. So in terms of like moving the word of God in the world and, you know, doing things that have never been done before, it's essential that we are in tune with the spirit so we can do things that are, you know, world breaking and things like that. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. In short, in, I mean, let me just summarize that. It means that all things are possible to them that are, that believes, or that are in Christ. Yes, more, more, more contribution. God bless you, sir. Um, you could say that a carnal mind is forgetful 
is forgetful. Yeah, because in chapter 8, that was when Jesus had calmed the storm with the disciples prior. So they had been in a situation where they were in a storm. Okay. But yet they had forgotten that situation. Okay. And maybe that's the reason why Christ told them that ye are of little faith. They've experienced it before. It wasn't the first time. Now it happened again. And they were so scared. And even Peter that was able to, even to work on water this time around could easily switch. At least the past experience, the testimony that has happened before should have helped him or sustained him. Spiritual man, kind of man. So kind of man can easily forget what has happened. But spiritual man, sticky. Okay? God bless us. More contributions, please. Yeah. I want to say that a spiritual man would imitate Christ. So imitate Christ. Okay. When Peter saw Jesus walking on water, he sought to imitate Christ. And mm. he said, bid me to come if it is really you. You know, and I think about Paul like in two separate letters speaking to the church. He said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So a spiritual man seeks to imitate Christ. And that's one thing that we can learn from there. And I think that's the follow your first point. That when we focus on Christ, we be like him. We imitate him. So the spiritual man, the focus is to be like him. And don't forget what the scripture says in First John chapter 2. When it's talking about uh, first chapter 2, I think verse 2. That we should be, the law of Christ, God has been hold upon us. Uh, please, I don't want to miss it. Maybe somebody can help us read it. First John chapter 2, verse 2. Talking about the love God has bestowed upon us. Okay. Yeah. Who's helping us to read? Verse 2. 2 2. Amen. Let's wrap up our conversation and come back. And he himself is the We can wrap up our conversations and we can come back so that we can bring this home. the Lord. So we'll just get one person from each class to give us one or two 
lessons that you got from these um, accounts on what it means to be spiritual, a spiritual man versus a carnal man, one or two lessons. So one person from each class, maybe it's, if there's no volunteer, maybe it's the facilitators that's going to do it for their class. Let's start with Esther because um, Peter was already online and Esther wants to, online wants to hear about Esther. So any volunteer? Okay, give it to the facilitator. Let her tell us one or two lessons from. Okay. Yes. Praise God. Hallelujah. Um, we f- from where we read um, Esther four ten to five to three. Um, we first talked about how Esther at first hearing the news was canal in the reception because um, she was focusing on the facts, which is real, which is things that we can see, um, that the king did not, or hasn't called for her in the past 30 days, meaning that if she approaches, it will be a death sentence. Um, But when Mordecai was a spiritual man, in the sense that he was like, you know, he understood times and seasons, and he said, you know, you're probably here because of a time like this, and if you don't do anything, help will still come from God, mm. but it won't be through you. Mm. And be rest assured, you'll be destroyed. Mm. So in that sense, um, Mordecai was spiritual, uh, Esther wasn't. The second thing we, uh, that was pointed out is that um, Mod- when Esther received the truth that is above facts, she was able to then declare a fast you know, and take a spiritual approach. Mm. Um, and of course, re- they received freedom. So, thank you very much. Let's put our hands together for them. These are very great perspectives. Very great perspectives. The initial reaction that was in carnality, the spiritual counsel, and then the spiritual response to that as well, and then continued walking in as as spiritual. Excellent, excellent, excellent thoughts. God bless you. Um, from this class couple of things that you learned from Peter's account. So um, we learned that um, Peter was spiritual when he sought to imitate Christ, having seen him walking on water and he mm-hmm. asked um, to do that. And a spiritual mind would seek to imitate Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, we also learned that when he looked on the waves, he shifted his focus from Christ and that was him being carnal. Mm-hmm. Um, and that whatever you focus on, you become. And so mm-hmm. because he focused on the waves, um, he focused on the logic, the, the physical appearances, right? And so he began to sink, and that's what happens to a carnal person. They begin to experience death in that regard. And we talked about how he shifted again to being spiritual, recognizing that Jesus is still the one that can save him. And in that moment, he did what he should do, which is Jesus help me. And that's him shifting his attention back from being carnal to being spiritual. And... Um, you know, we also talked about how when he, um, and being doubtful, a carnal mind is, a carnal person is doubtful and doesn't trust God, God's words completely. Mm-hmm. And when they got back into the boats, you know, um, the disciples in the boats were said to also be carnal because they said, now we know that truly you are the son of God, but they've been walking with him and didn't they know that he was Did the son of God? getting very deep. I'm just looking at Peter. But that's, 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 that's absolutely yeah. right. And I thought that was um, really neat. Um, but then when 
they got into the boat, the waves ceased again because mm. whenever Jesus is there and we see with the eyes that Jesus is there, we can never be taken over by the storms of life. We can never be taken over by the storms. Please just give a round of applause to everyone. Those are very wonderful contributions. I want to just highlight a couple of um, overlaps from what we've heard from both sides. One of the things, the trigger for spirituality was the word that they received. Praise the Lord. This trigger for being a spiritual man was the word that they received. For Esther, it was receiving that word of truth that, look, oh, there is a spiritual undertone to this thing. You need to know. This one that you are just saying, if I walk in there, the king can kill me. Eh, that's true. But just know this, that you were put in this, perhaps you were put in this time for a time like this. And if you don't meet what your spiritual leading and responsibility is in this time, forget that one. The debt that you suffer is doesn't reach <laughs> that side. And God's agenda cannot be stopped. That's triggered in her, the faith, because faith is what we use to connect to the spirit. On this, does, is everybody with me? That's triggered in her the faith that she needed to respond differently. The same Esther that said, if I go into the king's house, I can die. Said, go and tell everybody to fast. I'm going. If I die, I die. Praise the Lord. Different. Same thing with Peter. Peter saw a ghost. Amen? Peter saw a ghost. He said he thought he saw a ghost. But he did. After all, Jesus is one with the Holy Spirit. He's ghost. <laughs> It's ghost things he was doing. Is it not ghosts that walk on water? Is it human being that walk on water? It's ghosts he saw. He saw a ghost. And when he said, ah, it's a ghost, Jesus said, don't be afraid. It's Jesus' ghost. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He said, ah, me too. I want to do what Jesus' ghost is doing. That means I want to be spiritual. Peter's ask was like saying, it's like what we are going to ask. God, make me spiritual. He said, I want to be spiritual. I want to do what you are doing if it is you. Make me do what you are doing. Tell me to come. He received word. Come. And immediately he was empowered to be spirit. Praise the Lord. Because he started walking on water. And then there was carnality that set in as we we're talking about. Second overlap. The fact that there was a carnal response doesn't mean that you are doomed to remain carnal. Amen. So for those of us that rose up our hands and said that it is easy for us to be carnal because we knew that when we're coming here, we're carnal. <laughs> we're making carnal decisions. Praise the Lord. The fact that we've had a carnal response doesn't mean you are doomed to be carnal. For Esther, her carnal response was, I can't enter the room of the king. She received the word and then she continued in it. And she was spiritual in her response. And spiritual, powerfully spiritual things. She provoked favor. Because the Bible says she walked into the house of the king and then the king found favor in her sight. There are some things that we are asking God to favor us and God is saying be spiritual. Do what you need to do in the spirit and see favor speak for you. Praise the Lord. Peter was started to drown and he said, no, the same person that called me up to the, to the water can help me because right now carnality is overcoming Jesus, help me, I'm drowning. How many of us can catch ourselves drowning in carnality and say, Jesus, is too much? How many of us can catch ourselves that there are these thoughts that are just flooding and say, God, I need help, rather than allow ourselves to just drown and say, it's normal, it's not. It's drowning. Praise the Lord. The fact that there is a carnal response or reaction because we are still in this flesh doesn't mean we are doomed to remain in carnality. 
we can still be liberated. We can still come out of it. We can still walk in the spirit. Because I keep saying this. There was a distance that Peter walked from the water to where he started drowning. And the Bible didn't tell me that Jesus carried him back from that place where he pulled him out to the boat. That means when Jesus got his hand, both of them walked back. Hallelujah. Both of them walked back. He regained his spirit status. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Say, I am a spirit man. I am a spirit man and I remain so in Jesus' name. So we need to note this. There is a war in every man. We saw this in Esther. We saw this in Peter. In these same people, these same people that were ordained by God, these same people that were chosen by God, these same people that were appointed by God and set in place by God, there was this push and pull between the spirit and the flesh. The Bible tells us that the flesh wars against the spirit. Praise the Lord. So there is this war that is going on, but God has given us the victory over the flesh, over carnality. Put on the screen Romans 7.25. God has given us the victory over the flesh. Romans 7 verse 25. We must know this. I thank God through Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise the Lord. I thank God. Let's look at verse 24. 24. Can you see Romans 7.24? Just one. Yes. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Verse 25. He said, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So Jesus Christ has given us that victory. Nevertheless, it is left to us to accord that victory. In other words, it is left to us to decide who wins this war between the flesh and between the spirit. That's why I've been laying this emphasis that the fact that there might be carnality warring within us doesn't mean we have to succumb to it. We have been given to be spiritual. We have been given the ability to be spiritual. And that ability is called choice. Said, I lay before you life and death. And it is they that are spiritually minded that have that are living in that have the life and peace that he has given to us. So I lay before you life and death. Choose to be spiritual, and you will be. Praise the Lord. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. It said, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Let, being the, 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 um, the instructive word in that. Thank you. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. The answer is, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. There's a couple more things that you can read in your manual about 
you know, why we need to make this choice to be spiritual and how we can be spiritual. How can we do, what are the things that we should do, those basic things that we should be doing to keep ourselves in the inclination of spirit. Amen. Continuing to feed ourselves with the word of God. Continuing in the fellowship of the brethren. If, if, if Esther did not have the counsel that she received from Mordecai, she would not have gone into the presence of the king. Praise the Lord. If she was not constantly connecting with somebody that is spiritual, if she was just staying there in the king's palace, connecting with all the Shushans and Bushans and Kushans, she would not have gone into the king's palace to make this appeal. So there is a value when we come together, when we are in accord and we are robbing each other so that we can remain as we ought to be. Amen. And continuing in prayer because when we are connecting in the spirit, we, we talked about that focus. Amen. Which was another thing that was raised in both sides. Keeping that focus, who you see is who you behold. And we behold as in an open glass, the image of the glory of the Lord and we are transformed into the same image from glory to glory. When we are in that intimacy, that communion and consistent prayer, it starts to build in us that capacity to remain spiritual. It starts to build with us that strength to resist when the flesh wants to be the one directing us. Shall we rise? He said, let yourself be guided by the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. I want us to lift up our voice to the Lord and just say, Holy Spirit, have your way. I give you permission to take charge. The day that are led by the Spirit of God, my aim is that I be who you've called me to be. That is spiritual. I don't want to be taken advantage of by carnality. I don't want to drown. I want somebody to lift up your voice like Peter did. I know that many things in this earth are destroyed distracting me. I know that there are many things of the world that is causing me to drown in carnality. I recognize today that it's not okay for me to continue that way and I will not continue that way. Holy Spirit, come and fill every ounce of me. Come and take charge. Come and take rule. I need you to lead me. I want to follow you, but I need help. I want to walk in the spirit, but I need help. I want to walk in the spirit. I want to be spiritual, but I need help. I need a strengthening so that when I am deciding things, so that when I'm considering things, so that when I'm saying things, I am sensitive. I am conscious of you so that I can be spiritual indeed, not in word, but in deed. Believing you, believing what you say, continuing in your word, continuing in the truth, continuing in the spirit every day of my life. My life must have spiritual implications. My life must have spiritual impact because it is the spirit, the things that are not seen that are eternal. It is the spiritual implications that stand the test of time, not the physical results that I might be getting. Help me, Holy Spirit, that my life from now henceforth is led by you. My life from now henceforth is led by you in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, almighty God. Thank you because you've called us to be spiritual and you've given it to us to be. You've given us this grace to be spiritual by giving us your Holy Spirit. Today, this is our surrender. This is our response, O oh God. We choose to be spiritual and so shall we be in the name of Jesus. 
no more will we be subject to the leadings of the flesh we live according to the spirit we live according to your word we live according to your word that is spirit and life we live according to the truth that is you we live in the way not our way in the name of jesus we receive grace to be spiritual and in being spiritual to glorify you evermore in the mighty name of jesus christ we pray shall we put our hands to we hope you were blessed by that teaching for further inquiries please visit our website www.rccgppp.org you can also check us on facebook and on youtube at rccgpppsk on instagram and twitter at rccgpp if you are within the city of regina canada you can join us in person at 1771 bond street s4n 1x7 for a refreshing time in god's presence